Uh, good to see you guys. I uh, hope you guys are staying cool this weekend. I remember last week I was kind of criticizing Minnesota for being so cold, and now they're, uh, the Minnesota is striking back with uh, really warm weather. So got to be careful what I say. Uh, but I hope that you are enjoying the weather. Uh, it's not. It's a, still good weather, I think. You know, sunny. So got to enjoy. Um, it somehow this weekend. Um, so the passage for today's sermon is found in Psalm 60. Psalm 60. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn with me there and uh, I'll read it for us and uh, we'll go into our time of sermon together. Psalm 60. To the choir master, according to Shushan, Iruth, uh, Miktam of David for instruction, when he strove with Aram Naharim and with uh, Aram Zobah, and when Joab on his return struck down uh, 12,000 of Edom in the Valley of Salt. O oh God, you have rejected us, broken our defenses, you have been angry. Oh, restore us. You have made the land to quake. You have torn, off, torn it open. Repair its, its bridges, for it totters. You have made your people see hard things. You have given us wine to drink that made us stagger. You have set up a banner for those who fear you that they may flee to it from the bow, Selah. That your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer us. God has spoken in his holiness. With exultation, I will divide up Shechem and portion out the veil of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom I cast my shoe. Over Philistia, uh, Philistia, Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go forth, O God, with our armies. O grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. As the word of the Lord, uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we uh, gather, Lord, as your people, uh, just really longing to be fed by your word. Like the songs we sang earlier, uh, you are high above, um, and yet our hearts often uh, try to um, you know, reach you, try to uh, lift ourselves up. So Lord, we uh, ask that you would Help us to see 
who you are as you are so that we can humbly uh, come to you and, and see you, open our eyes, and, and through that, may our hearts be glad um, knowing how loved we are by the Holy God. Help us, God. Use this time to feed your people. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, uh, through our passage, uh, we will uh, lament together. And uh, maybe some of you came to church to be happy, so you might be wondering why are we lamenting. Um, But I think it's an important thing as a community, uh, as we'll see, um, because as you know, if you have been coming to our church, we have been going through some uh, difficult time ever since we announced things at the members meeting a few weeks ago. So uh, it'll be beneficial for us to do this. And especially today's psalm, it's not just lament, but it's communal lament. What it does is that it, it uh, really encourages us to be united as a community and have the same emotion about what happened. Like, for example, you know, when 9-11 happened, in 2001, if you were born then, um, well, back when I, was in, when I was a youth pastor, I realized some kids were not born uh, when that happened. Well, uh, so when that happened, the whole nation was grieving, right? Uh, you know, of course, the individuals, individual citizens had different reactions and different, you know, opinions. Um, but I think the whole nation was quite unified as a whole because Americans were all in shock. Uh, They were mourning the death of many people who died and they were wishing for healing as a nation. And and that's what we wanted to do as a community. And I really uh, believe that God can use this song to help us do that. And it will be beneficial for our church community. So, uh, please follow with me as we go into this psalm together. Uh, three points. Uh, first, a lamenting community. Second, a heeding community, heeding community. And third, a rebuilt community. First, a lamenting community. First one, it says, Oh God, you have rejected us broken our defenses. You have been angry. Oh, restore us. Have your words right away. So David, the author of this song, you know, bluntly protests that God in his anger rejected his people, Israel. The context is this. According to the superscript above our, our uh, chapter, uh, we, we see that Israel was at war with uh, neighboring nations and uh, according to the superscript, they had some major victories. Uh, but then if you read through the psalm, you realize that before those victories, there was a major catastrophic defeat. And that's the place David is speaking from, and the people are feeling the sense of rejection and abandonment from God. 
And let's kind of pause a little bit and try to study the feeling of rejection. Um, let me give an example from my life. And some of you know that I moved around a lot and I ended up at attending five different high schools. And I mostly attended the, the big public high schools. Uh, and at first, I didn't know anybody, obviously. And I really feared this one thing about my new schools. And that one thing was lunchtime. Because I didn't know anybody, and I just feared, you know, joining a table only to be rejected by, you know, people that I didn't know and feel really sad. So now I did this thing, and it's really sad, really sad. But this one time, I think it was, I was a sophomore um, in Illinois, and uh, I was just so afraid of getting rejected by the, the people uh, during the lunchtime. So here's what I did. I went to the restroom, and I sat on the toilet seat, and I closed the stall door, and I ate my lunch there, all by myself. Thank you for the sad faces. I, I feel being together here. I, but just so you know, I made friends afterwards, so, you know, it wasn't too terrible. But that's what I did, because I was so scared of getting rejected. Well, getting rejected by friends is hard enough. But when the rejection comes from perhaps the people that you really long for acceptance and love and approval from, whoever that might be in your life, that rejection could be crushing, right? And if you have any experience like that in your life, you could empathize what David is explaining here on behalf of Israel. They feel abandoned and even betrayed uh, by God that they trusted in. It hurts. So that's what they're feeling right now. And, and now, David continues with another analogy of how they're feeling. Verse 2. You have made the land to quake. You have torn it open. Repair its bridges, for it totters. Just imagine in your head, picture in your head, a town just got hit by a 10.0 magnitude earthquake. Imagine, dust everywhere, you know, everything is crumbled down, the, the road and the ground is torn up, and you hear sirens and, you know, noises everywhere. Absolute chaos. And there you feel devastated and hopeless, right? And so that's how Israel is feeling right now. And then last analogy that David gives, verse 3. You have made your people see hard things. You have given us wine to drink that made us stagger. You see, wine, alcohol makes you feel numb, right? Just like that. You know, when a tragedy happens and when it's so shocking to you, you just don't know what to think or how to feel. Have you had that before? Have you been there? So that's Israel, but could CLC relate to these feelings? 
And I thought of, especially those of you who have called CLC your spiritual home for a long time, but this applies to obviously any of us who belongs to this community. You know, as, as we were listening to the announcement by Pastor Jong at the members meeting and, and the consequence that it would have on our church community, you know, we might have felt the shock and felt numb and didn't know how to feel, what to think. And maybe we also felt devastation. We felt confused and hopeless, you know, thinking, how do we move on from here? Like we just got earthquake or something. And ultimately, we might have, some of us might have felt betrayed or even forsaken by God for allowing this to happen. So we could feel what Israel was feeling. But now, let's look at what David's community did when these emotions overtook them. First, there was raw prayer. If you read through, word by word, they were telling God exactly how they're feeling to the point that it sounds blasphemous. It sounds like they're accusing God, saying, God, you made this happen. You made us feel this way. How could you? Really? Because notice all the you, 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 you use in these three verses. It's a real prayer. But also simultaneously, they were peppering the prayers of petition throughout. In verse 1, God, you rejected us, but restore us. Verse 2, you broke our hearts like an earthquake, but repair them. Heal our hearts. And verse 5, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer us. It's saying, God, what do we do? Are we your people? Do something and save us. It's a desperate, emotional, exhausting prayer. But what Israel is doing is this. In time of crisis, the community chose God to be the right channel for their venting because deep down they believed that God alone was the solution to their problems. You know, when you know, something is wrong with your phone or utility bill, uh, which happens to be quite time to time, uh, and say, you know, like you're overcharged or something, it won't do you any good for you to just fume and complain to your friends, right? It's only when you call the company and talk to the customer service and complain to them, then, you know, the problem can be solved. Meaning, they are the right channel for your venting that can lead to solution. And how awesome, think about it, how awesome that the almighty God of the universe invites us to vent to him. And he wants to deal with our problems because he is the solution. So he wants our community to be raw in our prayers to him during this time of all these emotions. A lamenting community. Second point, 
a heating community, heat and community. So now, God responds to the vent of the community. So let's go on here in verse 6 through 8. It says, God has spoken in his holiness. With exaltation, I will divide up Shechem and portion out the veil of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom, I cast my shoe. Over Philistia, I shout in triumph. Just two, two main things that God is speaking here. First, that he is utterly sovereign over all things. Because in verse 6, uh, there Shechem and Succoth were prominent cities in Israel in its history. And the verse is saying that God can do whatever he wants with these cities. And he can give them to whoever he wants. And verse 7 and 8, uh, there the tribes of Israel and the, the neighboring nations are named, right? And there God is saying that they are all his He's saying, the repeating words there is, mine, mine, mine. They're all mine. He's the owner of all things on earth. And second thing that we see in these verses is that God will bring victory for his people. He will fight for them. You see, though the all nations are gods, there is distinction between Israel and uh, other nations. In verse 7, Ephraim and Judah there are the sort of a representative tribes of Israel. And it says the uh, Ephraim is his helmet and Judah is his scepter. So what it's saying is that Israel is God's own chosen kingdom. But on the other hand, in verse 8, Moab, Edom, and Philistia are described as nations that God conquered as slaves. So distinction there, meaning that God fights for his people and in the end, he'll subdue all our enemies for us. So putting it all together, God is saying to his people, no matter what you're going through right now, do not worry because I am in control. All things are mine and I will deliver you. You will be victorious in the end, no matter what's happening right now. And what an assurance David and Israel when they heard this. Because they are discouraged right now, they thought they're doomed. No. God has a plan for them. But here, what I want to highlight for you is this. Is that how Israel heard this message from God. Follow with me. Back in verse 6, it said, God has spoken. The tense is important there because it indicates the past action. God spoke in the past. Meaning that this message from God is not an audible um, statement and words to Israel right now. No, it's a written word, written record from the past that David somehow dug up for him to listen right now. Written record from the past. And now if you think about it, that's just like us, right? In the New Testament period, in in 21st century. That's what we do, meaning that, of course God, 
I believe that God could speak audibly to us right now. I believe that. But His main way of speaking to us is through His written word in the Bible. When we read the Bible, in that we see God's promises and, you know, who He is, and His voice can assure our hearts through those words in the Bible. Maybe you'll call me a nerd if I mention this, but um, one of my favorite books is this classic book called uh, How to Read a Book by uh, Mortimer J. Adler uh, and Charles Van Doren. It's a classic book. How many of you know this book? Okay, nobody. Maybe, I don't know. Um, virtually, somebody raised their hands. But... Um, but that book is really helpful because it teaches you how to read books in a way that can help you glean information, like meaning how to study better, really. And one tip from the book that sort of revolutionized my thinking was that uh, it said when you read books, you should treat it as if you and the authors are having a conversation. Meaning, when you are reading a book, it's as if the author is trying to tutor you one-on-one about his topic. I mean, it sounds, I don't know, maybe too simple, but that really impacted me over the years because, like, when I read books, I'm not always entertained, but when I realize, when I, when I try to see that as more of a personal meetup where the author is trying to teach me something, I, I feel more engaged because I... I feel like that's, those are real words from real person rather than just dead words on a page. But you see, what's crazy is that that's literally true about the Bible. That's actually true about the Bible. It's not as if you treat it as if no, like the book says. In the Bible, Holy Spirit speaks through the words of the Bible and convicts our hearts. So when we read the word, we're actually having a personal one-on-one meeting with God where God personally teaches us what he wants to communicate. And if we believe this, it will tremendously encourage our hearts individually and as a community. You know, personally for me, uh, during this time, past few weeks, through the word, I really feel a strong sense of conviction and God speak to me about his presence in my life, in my ministry. And he used word, you know, uh, passages like Joshua 1, do not fear, I'll be with you. Be courageous. Those, those have been just precious convictions for me personally. But in the same word, I want to I share with you, in the same word of God, I get to see that God is speaking that his presence is also with CLC. Look at Matthew 28, 20, where God speaks, saying, or Jesus speaking, saying, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. There you is you all. It's you all. It's not you singular. It's the church. God is always with his people to the end of the age, to the end of history, and forevermore. 
And what that means, what, how, what God is speaking to our church right now through this word of God then is that God is walking with CLC during this time. Can we believe that? God is speaking to us, saying that he never abandoned or rejected us as his people. He is walking closely with us during this time. Oh, may we look to the word together. Again, not just saying that, of course, we have to look to the word, but during this time, can we earnestly seek the Lord and try to hear from him because he still speaks to us? So a heating community. And lastly, a rebuilt community. Verse 9, David says, Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Uh, These are obviously the rhetorical questions. The answers to both questions are, God, who will bring him to Edom and defeat Edom? God will. And this is an encouraging verse because, unlike earlier, David is affirming God to be the sole deliverer and hope for his battle. It is a progress. No, there is despair still obviously, but because of perhaps the lament and because of the, the word of God that he just heard, there is more confidence in him. That's encouraging. But what he says next in the next verse could throw us off. Look at this. Verse 10, he says, Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go forth, O God, with our armies. He's saying that now he's back in the lament mode, expressing the sense of rejection from God. What's happening here is a very human experience. In one moment, you might be having a revival moment because of the word of God. But in another moment, you may feel the current circumstances so painful. So the pain lingers on. Revival, pain, revival, pain. That's human. But that's okay. Because even through this back and forth, you will see here that there is growth in the community. Look with me. Verse 11. He says, or they say, Oh, grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. Then declaring that there is no hope in human devices and human plans. Only God is our deliverer. And then in verse 12, the the last verse of the psalm, he says this, With God, we shall do valiantly. It is He who will tread down our foes. Can you hear the confidence in God in this verse? The, The restored, perhaps, confidence in God? And also, look at the posture of David and his people. You know, it is no longer, like earlier we saw in the first few verses, it is no longer crawling in pain. That was real, but now the posture is that they are what? Ready to fight again. 
we will do valiantly with you, God. They're ready to go back out to the battle again. So you see, what is happening here is this. Again, through the, the process of lamenting and looking to God's word, and even through the lingering pain revival, pain revival, the community of God is getting back up and back into the fight. The community is being rebuilt. Um, I was talking with a friend earlier here, but um, I pretty much grew up in the Chicago area. And if you go down to uh, downtown Chicago, uh, you can do uh, boat tours. There, there's a Chicago River through the downtown. And there's one specific boat tour called a architecture tour. Okay? It's quite famous because uh, Chicago is actually known for their buildings and their architecture. And I heard that uh, some architecture students around the world come to Chicago just to study these buildings and architecture. So it's known for that. What's interesting is that Chicago wasn't always known for their buildings and architecture. You know, back in uh, 1871, uh, there was the, the well-known Great Chicago Fire uh, that pretty much burned down the whole city and apparently, apparently destroyed 17,500 buildings. Pretty much the whole city was, you know, burned down. But then because, so I mean, those tragic, you know, lives are lost, but because on the bright side, because of all those buildings were destroyed, the Chicago ones saw the need to build, you know, newer, more modern buildings. And the result was the current boast of, you know, it's great looking buildings. And that's a history. But I wonder, you know, if you talk to the people uh, at that time, right after the fire, you know, they probably must not have been able to envision the best architecture city in the world, right? Because they were grieving. They were mourning. They probably thought the city is over. Chicago, no more Chicago. What's Chicago? Um, but then, what happened was, even through the grief, people uh, found strength in perhaps dream, dreaming, dreaming about restoring their city. And they went back to work. And Chicago, because of that, has its own reputation now with uh, all these buildings and everything. And I share this because perhaps we could say that CLC right now is at a place right after the fire. Just imagine you standing in a town, in that town, with uh, all this, you know, ashes and smoke in the city. You know, we may feel, again, numb, confused, hopeless, and feel abandoned by God. But just like the Chicagoans did, I believe what God is calling us to do in, in that just tragedy, in that uh, darkness, so to speak, that we are to lament, process how we feel, vent it to God, raw prayers to God, 
and we turn to God's word again for encouragement, for real, you know, God speaking real words. And as we saw here, the lamenting process won't be short. It will be sporadic, right? It will be it will come and go. We'll constantly have to deal with it. We don't know what that will look like exactly. We'll have to do that as a community. But as we do that, God's promise seems to be that the community can be rebuilt, just like Chicago. That because God's presence that I'll be with you always through the end of the age because God is with us, walking with us. In time, we could, by God's grace, get back up and get back into the battle for what? For the gospel. CLC wasn't created for just for us, right? Our mission is reaching out to those who don't know God and be a light and blessing to the nations. We could get back to that battle again. And perhaps that rebuilt CLC would be beautiful, would be something that we could take pride in, like Chicago or whatever. So having that in the back of mind, let us come together and lament, and turn to God, seek God together. Let's pray. I definitely think that this can be a heavy thing. It can be a, a, not an encouraging thing at first for us to try to tap on you know, some of the emotions and things that we could be processing as a community. And I definitely understand that. Um, but what I do see is if we just gloss it over, if we just move on and uh, do church, what that, whatever that means, I'm afraid that we will crumble down. I'm afraid that if there's any foundation, I think those foundations will be shattered because we haven't really uh, gone to God with all this baggage and burdens of our hearts. And I think the beauty right now as we try to do this is that it will unify us uh, as a community because you know we are com all come from different places and depending on how long you have been here in the community or different cultural background or wherever you are in your life stage, we all have different responses. We are in a way all over the place. But when we come together to lament and grieve for the common community, it will unite us. It, it will tell each other, wow, we are in this together. So could we do that right now? Um, again, I, I definitely understand it is not an easy thing to do, but uh, can we come, come to God? Uh, we'll do this a little more uh, in the coming uh, life group together as we study the word, the, the passage, but uh, just right now, let's be raw with God. H how are you feeling? 
about all of this. And perhaps even about your own life right now too. God is inviting us to come to Him because He is the solution. If we vent it anywhere else, we won't go anywhere. So let's take some time uh, before we uh, close with the song and prayer together. Let's pray. Let's pray together. What a beautiful picture uh, in the song uh, that we take shelter under His wing. Uh, that is true individually uh, in, in different circumstances of our lives. But as a church too, we can take shelter. As we saw last week, He is our refuge in times of trouble, in times of need, refuge and strength. So we shall not be moved. So let's take some time uh, before I close in prayer. Um, can we just thank God? God, thank for your presence that you do not let go, forsake of your people. That you are with us, with me, each one of us, walking with us. Oh, help us feel your presence. Oh, help us feel your hands embracing us. Help us. Let's pray a little bit and I'll close. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for psalms like this that uh, allows us, encourages us to be real with you as a community. Um, perhaps this could help us, uh, each one of our members, to be real with one another too. But first with you. We want to be real with you, God. Your church is your son's bride that he died for, that he shed his blood for. So it's not, it's no ordinary community. It's body of Christ. Because we are hurting, the head of our body, Christ, must be hurting too. So Lord, um, help us to uh, process these things uh, next um, few days or weeks, however long it takes, so that we can experience healing and that by your grace, all the ruins will come alive and be rebuilt for your glory so that we can fulfill the mission that you've given us as a church. Thank you, Lord. Help us, help us, help us. Let's end together with the Lord's Prayer.